0: You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Duscheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here.
1: Okay, welcome to Leafs Lunch on this fine Tuesday. Julie Tasherry and Mike DeStefano with you. No Leafs today. They play tomorrow night, but some major news at a Leafs camp today, A B.
2: Yeah, uh some breaking news. I don't know if we can do a little breaking news sting here. I like to it. Alert you guys and let you know of what's going on here. But uh it's well, there it is. The Leafs have placed TJ Brody on injured reserve. So we gotta start off today's show with a little bit of, of some downer news. T.J. Brody, who missed the game against Philadelphia, the second night of a back-to-back on the Sunday. And, and Sheldon Keefe had said, you know, he's dealing with just something new that had popped up. They wanted to give him a night off just because it was the second night of back-to-back, and it allowed Connor Timms to get a chance to go in. And then we wake up on this fine Tuesday and see that he's been placed on injured reserve. So maybe a little bit something slightly more significant, but what that means is uh, he, he has to miss at least a week and because he missed out on Thursday or on Sunday's game, he'll also miss out on the next 3 games at least. So no Brody for the next 3 games.
1: So that's the downer news. I guess the good news, the upper news is the fact that the Leafs have been here and been here yeah. and been here and been here. It seems like a defenseman drops every game, every second game, and they just keep uh, chugging along with the depth they have on the blue line.
2: Well, the Leafs are 10-0-3 without TJ Brody in the lineup this season. And it's it's funny because I think I fired out a tweet into this group chat that we have with you, Steph, and I. Yep, I believe I brought this take to... The airwaves as well at some point, and it was something along the lines of if the Leafs, if TJ Brody gets injured, and this this would have been like I, I think coming off of the uh, the California road trip at right. the time, and I said something to the effect of if the Leafs lose TJ Brody for an extended period of time, they're screwed because he was the only guy who was playing defense. He's the heartbeat of that of that blue line. And arguably their best like defenseman. And, and and I think that's not even arguable. I think you could just make that case and no one's gonna really fight you on that. But with him coming out of the lineup the first time, everyone kinda stepped up. Then Morgan Riley was out for a while and people stepped up even more. And so with TJ Brody out again, it does allow for the Maple Leafs to get Connor Timmins back into the lineup. Yeah. And and, and Look, we talked about Connor Timmins and how maybe they could try some sort of rotation and get him in there. He's played well when he's had his chance. Got ten points in twelve games since coming over to Toronto, so you know, one man's uh, one man's downfall allows for another guy to kind of rise here, so it's now Connor Timmins' time to, to shine, I guess, at least for the next few games.
1: Yeah, MJ told us yesterday he's pretty comfortably played himself into the the seventh man role on the Leafs' blue line, and uh, they're going to need that seventh man right now with TJ Brody out. It's a good thing we have Darren Dreger joining us yep. in 20 minutes. It's a good day to have an insider here on Leafs Lunch. We're also going to have Todd Crocker on a little bit later. Get a Marley's update. Marley's on a heater right now. They Eight are. One and one one they their last 10 it's always yeah. a good sign
2: yeah i mean you've got a lot of these kids and we've seen some marley's kind of come up, and, and they've been impactful over the last few years. Like, obviously, Timothy Lilligrim spent some time with the Marlies. Sandin, yeah. Engval was a Marley. Pontus Holmberg was a Marley this season. Got the call-up, and he stuck. I believe they called up Bobby McMahon, um, who's got 15 points in 17 games down with the Marleys this season. Um, was a coinciding move with TJ yeah. Brody being placed on IR, so we could probably ask, you know, Todd Crocker, what can we expect out of Bobby McMahon? Not a name that a lot of Leaf fans know very well. Yeah, So uh, so that's
1: 15 15- points in 17 games since he returned from an injury that he sustained, so... Impressive from him. Okay, back to TJ Brody. I'm just looking at the first time, because I was kind of forgetting exactly when he was injured initially. It, <laughs> it was November 14th. The yeah. day that they announced he was going on IR with the oblique injury was the right. same day that Kyle Dubas did the presser about Jake, Jake Muzzin uh, being out indefinitely with a cervical spine injury. As um, an update there, as we remember, he's going to be reevaluated in late February. So... um Sheldon Keefe made a point of saying that we know obliques could get agitated and stuff like that. You and I in our journalism media degrees talking about injuries here at least Lunch. We know that we've heard that obliques could get uh, re-agitated, but Sheldon Keefe did make a point of saying that it was something yeah, new. Yeah, it's,
2: it's something new, and at this point we're not sure. I'm sure you know, maybe Darren Drager will have an update for us in about 15 minutes when he joins us and we can see exactly what that injury potentially is. But I also wonder, like, typically, you know, guys fight through things sometimes. And potentially, if the blue line was in shambles, would this be a situation where, you know, they try and, and T.J. Brody tries and fights through this? But because right. the blue line has actually played well, and like I noted before, the 10-0-3 record with them out of it, and the fact that they want to get Connor Timmins in, does it afford them the opportunity to say, Look, Broads, you know, this is a long-term play. These next, This next week... Is it as you know, it's not that meaningful to us. You getting healthy is definitely more meaningful. So, you know, an injury that maybe he could play through. The Leafs have afforded themselves the opportunity to give him that rest and bring in a guy who they want to get a look at, anyways, and somebody who they feel comfortable because of the way that this blue line has been able to gel and mesh and um, play when guys are out. It's just been that next man up mentality.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, I didn't think of the fact that maybe. You- if things were going a little dip, bit differently right now for the Leafs, maybe uh, TJ Brody would hang around. That's a good point, though. I'm seeing practice beginning right now over at the Ford Performance Center. Uh, mm-hmm. David Alter, friend of the show, has tweeted this update. As practice begins, it looks like Austin Matthews is not taking part. Looks like Pierre Engvall might be filling in. So with Pierre Engvall filling in, uh, to me, that kind of says just a just a rest day.
2: I would imagine so. I I, I don't think there's uh, there's any injury there, nothing that we've seen. I believe so. So just probably a scheduled maintenance day for Austin Matthews, and he should be good to go. Um, Bobby McMahon in a regulars white uh, on the fourth line is also what I'm seeing here. So maybe he might end up getting this game in, in Nashville, which would be interesting. I, I kind of figure that Dryden Hunt would go back. Yeah, that spot, but perhaps they want to get a look at Bobby McMahon, and that's why they brought him in. You know, it was a move um, that we
1: didn't talk about at all yesterday. That, that. I thought was classy, bringing in Wayne Simmons for that game in Philly. Oh, that was yeah. an underrated, classy move from from Sheldon Keefe, who we know is good with that sort of thing. We saw him do it with the Boris Salming night when he started right. all the Swedes. Just a classy guy in that. Even regard.
2: early, like early in his tenure, he was doing stuff like that. Like I remember, oh god, I'm, I I, I want to say it was Nick Shore who I think was, uh, they had started, yeah. Digging <laughs> You're digging You're digging into the arsenal, digging Captain. Digging deep into it, but I can't remember who they played or where his, his hometown team is, but they were playing his hometown team, and they put him into the lineup. Like, he was a guy who was a, a 13th, 14th forward, and they put him into the lineup in a hometown game because he had people coming in to see. Maybe Colorado could have been the team. Yeah. Um, but And then also... I think that same game, they started Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry on uh, on the same pairing together just to start that game because, again, Tyson Berry making his return to Colorado for the first time, I believe, that uh, right. that season. so
1: I know it's a National League. Everything's earned. You're not going to get handed things just because nice. your grandma bought tickets, but like <laughs> none of those guys are going to lose you a hockey game. Probably not going to be Especially the difference. The, hopefully,
2: hopefully, at least, not in the first 30 seconds on the first shift of the game. Right. But right. You, you never know. But you're right. That was a classic thing because... You know, Wayne Simmons, I, 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 I'm I not sure what's going to happen with his career and what what his role is going to be with the Leafs. Like, as we look forward into the next half of the season. Like, we're smack dab in the middle. 41 games have been played. There's still 41 games to go. How much of those 41 games are going to feature a Wayne Simmons? I, I'm not sure a whole lot. So, you're right. It was a classy move to get him in that game against Philly. A place where he had really... Turned into the player that he had become, right? Like 30 goal scorer, power forward, a force in the league. Like that's when you think of Wayne Simmons, you're always going to associate him as a Philadelphia Flyer. So you're right. That was definitely a, a really good move for Sheldon Keefe to make on Sunday and get him in there. I don't know if he really performed well enough to garner, uh, you know, a second straight game or another look. And so it looks like perhaps maybe they want to get uh, Bobby McMahon into a game and see how he looks against NHL. Uh, talent in, in this game tomorrow against Nashville.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, Leafs practicing today. We'll keep you updated on what's happening there. They play tomorrow night and we fired out on this kind of quieter day from the Maple Leafs a question on Twitter. So answer us if you had a chance at Leafs lunch 105050 50 or shoot us a text. But our question of the day was, what do you need to see or what do we need to see, AB, from the Leafs team in the second half of the season? What's the biggest question mark? And I think when we asked this at the beginning of the season, the very obvious question mark was goaltending, And that...
2: Has that been answered for you?
1: uh, It's definitely not the number one question the way that
2: it was at the beginning
1: of the season.
2: It's fair like this so far right to to this point they've both been exceptional i think you know both with it's fair uh, to say that there was a little bit of a blip teams. last week yeah there was there was a two week segment both of which in four or five starts in a row where it's easy
1: to panic about that sort of thing too especially it, oh. in this market when there was already so many question marks coming in, with Matt Murray's injury history, with Samsonov's history of being really good to start the season and then kind of tapering off. like There was reason to panic. I understand Seeing the panic.
2: Un- just unravel with Jack Campbell a year ago. Yeah. Like, just there-, there was. There was PTSD there- there
1: involved. Was. I understand, yeah. Leafs Nation. I'm with you.
2: So I-, I I, still probably, and we said this at the time, I believe, still probably won't know the answer fully if the question marks in that have been... Um, have been extinguished, and I don't know if we'll know until the playoffs. Like, we need to see a full, healthy-ish season out of Matt Murray. He sustained that injury early on. Uh, but he's come back and he's played well since. Same thing, Samsonov, he had that one injury, he spent some time on IR, but he's come back and he's played relatively well since. So, you know, there's been some injuries, but they've also, when they're playing and when healthy, which is what we said, if these guys are playing and if they're healthy and can be in between the pipes for Toronto, they should be able to give this team quality goaltending, but the health were the major question marks, mainly on Murray, I suppose, as opposed to Samsonov. And so far, outside of that first month, I guess, of the season where he did go down for a couple of weeks. It's it's been pretty good for for Matt Murray, and I think that's still, though, going to be a question mark going forward. Can he remain healthy the rest of the way and through the playoffs? So I think that one's still uh, unanswered, still to be determined if goaltending remains a question in the back half of the season.
1: I agree. Any other major questions sticking out to you right now?
2: (sighs) Anything that's sticking out to me? like uh, So I think what I want to know the rest of the way I, I, is, to stick on the goaltending theme, are we gonna? Are they going to remain consistent? Like, the health is one thing, but also let's remain consistent. Yeah,
1: thing. because I, I remember Brian Hayes at the beginning of the season saying something hilarious that really caught my attention that none of us had been thinking about. It was all, is Matt Murray going to be healthy? Is Sam am going to be healthy? And Brian Hayes kind of hit the, hit the brakes in that conversation and was like, yeah, Are they going to be good when they are healthy? Because I yeah. feel like that's a vital component to all of this as well.
2: Well, they have been, right? They They've been good. But can they keep it going for the back half of the season? I think that's that's the big question mark that we all need to ask ourselves. Like, you know, the small sample size of success that they had had in the what 16 or so starts that they have both had to this point in the year. I mean, let's see what happens when they get to 25, 30 games apiece later on in the years. Are they still going to be showing that level of consistency that they showed us back in November, you know, October and, and into the early days of December? And then it kind of hit the... You know, went off the rails a little bit ahead of Christmas, but these last two starts, they showed us. Now we're back. We're back in business. I think Samson and I've even said after the game uh, against uh, who, who, he played the first one against Detroit. Yeah, like, I, I think I'm back. I think we're we're playing better. I feel like things were going my way today, and uh, I, I'm back at it. Who's in net? Uh, is there a projected starter for tomorrow yet? I don't know if we have that projected starter. Oh, I'd be curious to see who ends up getting that getting that call, though.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting. So. I'm sure we'll get all the updates from. From practice pretty soon, but let's go through some listener answers as to what they think the biggest priority for the Leafs in the second half of the season should be. Uh, at center of Leafs Nation texted us to acquire secondary scoring for the playoffs. An upgrade to Engvall and Kerfoot is a must. And then you pray that injuries don't pile up like they did to start the year on defense. Yeah, scoring can, needs to be the biggest area of improvement in this person's opinion.
2: Can I address, address that, uh, that upgrade to Engvall and Kerfoot one? I mean, I, I think that's an old narrative. You think so? I think so. I think at one point in the year, yes, you most definitely wanted to see an upgrade over those guys. They weren't providing that secondary offense that you really needed to get out of the Maple Leafs. But of late, these guys have been providing offense, both scoring goals um, and also they're doing good things on the defensive side of the the rank. Like I, I like that third line of Camp, Kerfoot, and Engvall. Um, not only are they playing well defensively and they're suppressing and they just, you know, are winning a lot of their shifts, but they're also scoring goals. Right. So I I don't necessarily think they need to upgrade on those guys. I think those guys as a third line are playing pretty well. Uh,
1: I, I don't disagree with you. I've been thinking a lot about who makes a really big difference in the playoffs. Uh, and it oftentimes ends up being depth pieces. We all remember Nick Paul, thinking of like Nachushkin with the Colorado Avalanche last year, and the way he was just kind of a depth piece, but ended up making a big difference.
2: I don't know how much of a depth piece, like that, that's, that was a pretty big piece, though. Like Nachushkin. That, that was a pretty big piece. Was one. it supposed I, to be, though? Yeah. You yeah, think? I think so. I, mean, I don't he think saying? he was
1: supposed to be as big of a difference. Well, no, he, he,
2: he turned out to be like borderline MVP. Of course, he exceeded expectations, but I think there were higher expectations. Who's a better on, example? then? Well, who was the guy Nick that Paul's scored a great, that? A good one. Like Nick Paul is. A okay, real wait, examiner.
1: Colorado though. Who scored?
2: Uh, Darren. You're thinking Darren Helm. Darren Helm. I mean, he had one goal. Like what? What more? Yeah, did Nick Darren Paul Helm had two in yeah,
1: Game yeah. Seven. Like yeah, you know but, what I mean? It always ends up being these depth pieces. So I look at Engvall and I look at Flood. And sometimes in the playoffs, you need a a third-liner or a third-pairing defenseman to ultimately be your difference-maker. And I don't know if I ever look at Kurt Foote and Engvall and think they're going to be that guy in the postseason.
2: I mean, I... I... (sighs) But you never looked at Darren Helm and you said he's going to be that guy.
1: No, that, and right? that's like, a conversation I want to have with Dregs because we kind of know who the big players are going to be at the trade deadline Let's right now.
2: If you knew that that guy had that in him, you probably would go and get him. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: I- Nick Ball is the same thing. Like, uh, say Lavie. I wanted to ask Dregs. We know who the big fish are going to be come trade deadline. I'm right. interested who the depth pieces are that teams are kind of interested in. That they yeah, like some of
2: the fringe, fringe ads, some of the bottom of the roster dudes. I feel
1: like they always end up being the difference makers in the end.
2: You know who's actually a really good one for a guy who's maybe brought in to be a middle six type of player who turned out to be a big contributor in the Stanley Cup run last year? Or Terry Lekinen. Yeah, Arturi Lekkinen is a good one. Take him from the Habs, gave like a second round pick and a prospect. Brought him in. They're like, okay, let's we'll play him in like the middle six somewhere. And uh, he turned out to be you know a top line player with them. Kind of spread out the scoring a little bit, and he was instrumental. I think he had a couple of overtime winning goals. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think that could they make some additions potentially, uh, but I, I wouldn't say that it's a must to upgrade on those guys because those are your, that's your third line, it's your bottom six. I, I think that's fine. I more so believe that there's some upgrades potentially on the blue line, um, up higher on the blue line, I would say. And Cal Yarncroft's interesting to me because he's actually playing well right now. He's got 11 points his last nine games, seven of which are are at five on five. So there's been a lot of production with him on that line. Could you upgrade there, though? Like I think that's more so what I'd be looking at is a top six upgrade as opposed to a bottom six upgrade. Like I want a tangible... Um, improvement on this roster as opposed to a fringe one on the third or fourth line.
1: Yes, and I think Andy's bath, gates, and barbecues would agree with you. Keep the pace, (laughs) start resting players like Geo, so they are fresh for the playoffs. Are you into that idea? Starting to give guys, maybe not resting them well, for games, I, but starting to dial back minutes for guys like Giordano who've been out there in the trenches as I, a result of... How are you going to dial back Gio's minutes now with, with he, Brody going down again? Well,
2: yeah. like He'd be the only guy who I'd be thinking of, though, right? Like, yeah, I don't think there's anybody else you need to worry about. Their minutes at, at this point, I, I think Matthews, Marner, Nylander, like they're all pretty... Maybe Tavares, he scaled back some minutes right. there. Um, but overall... I think it's still too early. I mean, there's still half a season to go. I think it's too early to be thinking about that. Post-trade deadline is probably when you start to think about that. Yeah. But there's still uh, a long ways to go. All right. I the second gotta...
1: half ho- Wait, the second half of that that Tweet was if you're talking about priority adds the team between now and the end of the season a legit top nine forward so that yeah. was the part that they agreed with you yeah, <laughs> yeah. to make and, my segue make sense right
2: I, and I think I would I would uh, I'd agree with that uh, with that take all right maybe we can bring up some of these questions to uh, to Jaron Drager because that's a guy who's on the pulse he's got. You know some answers to some of this <laughs> stuff I would think, at least an opinion. He
1: has all the answers. All the
2: answers. He's, uh, he's the main insider here. We say he took over for Bobby Mack, right? He's the main guy. He's Don't the big cheese. Don't forget So he'll join us on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tescheri. It Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.
0: Bad news has done it again! Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here.
1: Let's get down Let's get down to business indeed, A.B. Lee lunch. Julie Tichieri, and Mike Stefano. with you. I've clearly drank some water and sucked on a cough candy in the break, and I'm, I'm trucking now. We're going to have Darren Dragger on in the next couple minutes here to update you guys. If you missed the first block, TJ Brody has been placed on the IR. Something new, as per Sheldon Keefe. We'll ask Greg's about that in a second. Leafs practice going down right now, as per Jonas Siegel, who is at the Ford Performance Center. Ford Performance Center. Austin Matthews is not practicing today. Engvall is skating with Bunding and Nylander uh, after the off day yesterday. And with that, let's bring in our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. Dregs, how's it going this Tuesday?
0: Yeah, it's going okay. Yeah, there's lots kind of going on, right? Um, and now, I know we're going to get into the injuries here, uh, and I, I wish I had specific information. I just I don't, but I I do feel like this kind of feeds off of what Sheldon Keith said the other night. And we did the Sunday game obviously uh, against Philadelphia, and there were lineup changes there with TJ Brody out, uh, and uh, um, Wayne Simmons came into that game as well. And, and Keith acknowledged prior to that he may have to make some lineup. Adjustments because guys were are we're dinged up and, and playing with some nagging stuff, so i i I feel like without knowing um and you know we're working on it here to find out you know what's going on with Austin, especially uh, that that could be part of it. You know when you get to the midpoint of the season, players are playing with something pretty much every player yeah. you know has a has a muscle pull or has something going on. Um, and not that we get into the early stages of load management, but that's kind of what's what's going on here. So even though they're coming off a day off, you know, if you can give a player a morning off or that player just needs a little bit extra time to to get right, then we're at a point in the season where that's what you do.
2: Yeah, and I think with Austin Matthews, I guess if we if we start there, it is a little odd, though, for him to be getting a maintenance day coming off of an off day. Uh, it's, it's not something typically we see, but I guess we're not going to sound alarm bells until we know more information there, um, no. but when it comes to TJ Brody, and, and I kind of approached this uh, when Julie and I were chatting about this earlier. You know, I, I wonder if when Toronto looks at how this team has played, especially on the blue line, you know, yeah. a, a nick and a bruise that maybe in the past TJ Brody and the team would try and play through. Because they played so well defensively, they feel like, yeah. okay, if there's something here, it's better long-term to give them that extra week to try and get healthy. And whereas in the past, it's like, yeah, maybe we could play through it. Do you think that might be a, a situation here where they're – afforded the opportunity to get him some rest without it hurting them so much
0: yeah i think that's exactly what it is mike i, I do and you know this is something new that cropped up with tj brody uh described to me as as minor but when you've got depth in a position why wouldn't you use that depth and you know they insert connor timmons against philadelphia flyers of scores his first nhl goal and i thought he, he played pretty well in fact i I think Connor Timmins has been an underrated, vastly underrated ad by Kyle Dubas in yeah. the Maple Leafs. I really do, and you know, I not that I'm a fan, but I I am a fan of the individuals, and I look forward to seeing you know how his game you know might get better moving forward because it's pretty good right now. He doesn't seem to be lacking in it in in too many areas. You know, he's got the size, he can skate, um, clearly he can shoot the puck, so he generates some offense. Not afraid to jump into the play, so. To feed your point, I think that that's exactly what this is. When you've got good health in a position, and they now do have that, on the blue line, why would you let something that for the moment is relatively minor or nagging with TJ Brody become something bigger by game 55 or game 60? Try and nip it in the bud, and that's exactly what it looks like the Leafs are doing now.
2: You think there's a scenario here, though, where Connor Timmins Timmons could, can play himself into more of a regular role here with the Leafs? Like, what, what would he have to do or show the team to, to make that happen?
0: Hmm. I mean, it's a good question um, because, you know, if I revisit what I just said, I I feel like they think that, that he's solid. Um, you know, are there some trust concerns with a player that has that limited experience, not just in the NHL, but with the Toronto Maple Leafs? maybe, but I think it also depends on, on who you're playing. Um, Did they make that decision? You know, if they're going up against Tampa Bay lightning on Sunday, probably again, just given where you're at in the schedule. So I I think he absolutely could play his way into a full-time position, you know, but isn't that good to have that level of internal competition, whether it's up front or on the back end, you got Jordy Ben sitting back there. Um, I mean, there was a stretch where he played before getting hurt, where, you know, he looked like he was basically a lock holding down a spot on that blue line. So, you know, you, you want to be sure that your guys are healthy, number one. And then number two, that you've got the best available lineup out there. That's just flat out common sense. So if Connor Timmons uh, continues to play the way that he did Sunday and looks like he's going to, to get a, a stretch of games here, unless Sheldon opts to, to bring in Ben or somebody else then he's got to look after that opportunity and prove to the head coach that he deserves to be a full-time add to the blue line.
1: Yeah, it's a good problem to have, especially all the gripes about the Leafs' blue line over the years. All of a sudden, they have a wealth of defensemen. I noticed that you mentioned on the Leafs broadcast on Sunday that you think the Leafs' priority is the back end. They should potentially add a Muzzin-type replacement defenseman. Do you still feel that way?
0: I do, and it was was an answer to a specific quiz question, right, where one of the options was, Add toughness on D. Well, I, I define toughness a little bit different. You know, um, you know you, you, you're not going to add a, a pugilist back there. That's not the way the game is, is played anymore. So by toughness, I, I mean somebody that's hard to play against, you know, a physical presence, uh, but somebody who can, can apply the rule of being a shutdown defenseman. Uh, so I do think that that is um, maybe not necessarily an area of need, but more an area of interest for the Maple Leafs and look, you know, Jake Muzzin um, has had some tough games with the Leafs and not just because of injury. You know, he's got a lot of miles on that chassis, but when, when he's at his best, um, he just brings a lot, you know, he just calms things down on the ice, on the bench, in the dressing room. He's got that Stanley cup winning experience, all of those things. Uh, And he can be a, a bigger minute player. So, I'm pretty sure that a lot of teams would be interested in an ad like that, but I do think that that's an area of interest for the Toronto Maple Leafs moving forward.
1: That's our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger, and it's officially trade season, Dregs. though the CHL Mm -hmm. trade deadline has been exponentially more entertaining than any NHL deadline that I've ever witnessed. Uh, Wild. I know. It's it's madness. Okay, this is kind of theoretical, and I'll ask you more hard nosed questions in a moment. What would it take in the NHL uh, for an Owen Zellweger trade to happen? What would it take? Like, would the salary cap have to be deleted? Would it have to be Connor McDavid on the move yeah. in his prime? Like, what would it take to have that uh, phone book type <laughs> trade that we saw?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to imagine because of the salary cap. You yeah. know? And then even in the off season, when you have more financial flexibility in the system and you're dealing with 32 teams, as opposed to just the buyers or the sellers. And that's normally what you see at the draft or in the off season. Um, but how do you wait, make you know when you're moving Shane, Ryder, Zellweger, you know, these top end players, and, and there were a number of top OHL Western league players, QMJHL players traded to this point. Um, I mean, I guess you'd see a return like that, fetch, but like that Zellweger trade with Hofer, what they get like four players oh, and ten draft picks. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was just a ridiculous return. Um, but one thing I've always admired uh, about the CHL, and it's the same thing that people criticize, is you know, if, if teams believe they're in it, man, they go all in because it's such a cyclical. Process, mm-hmm. You know, the CHL is constantly regenerating, right? So, you know, rebuilds don't necessarily have to take three, four five years in the CHL. You can turn things around pretty quickly. And you can also turn your team into uh, a league, if not a Memorial Cup contender by adding a couple of pieces. But you look at the OHL what London did and tried to do. Yeah. Well, Windsor is obviously better with, with Shane Wright. Right. Um, Barry certainly bolstered their lineup. I mean, go down the list, so it's going to be fascinating to see how things play out in the latter stages, but it's near impossible to make that comparison to the NHL just because of the money involved.
1: Yeah, uh, one name that you didn't mention is Connor Bedard. And we we may have him on the show tomorrow as a little teaser nice. to drop right now, but yeah. uh, Connor Bedard. has been widely noted does not want to be traded. The Pats don't really want to see him move either. Is that the sense that you're still getting right now?
0: Yeah, that's the sense I'm getting. Um, and there's all sorts of conspiracy theories as to why Ooh. that is. I like it. <laughs> Financial or otherwise, I don't really know. But I mean, that's what happens when you see uh, you know a piece as as tantalizing as Connor Bedard stay with a team that you know isn't going to be as deep as you know, some of the other teams, you know, including Kamloops, obviously, right? So you know, go through the adjustments made in the Western Hockey League. Uh, but I also get it, you know, you know. Bedard top players and people don't necessarily understand this do have no trade clauses, um, so no difference in the process that that kind of held back the the Shane Wright trade and just and created all sorts of speculation as to where he might go, while at the end of the day, it's primarily up to Shane Wright deciding where he wants to go. And then, you know, it's up to the management of the King Frontenac to to make it work. Um, So if Bedard doesn't want to leave the Regina Pats, then he's not leaving the Regina Pats. And that's not a terrible thing for the Pats, even though I think that most of us I'm pretty convinced that Connor Bedard is not playing in the Western Hockey League next year. Yeah. You know, he's going first overall, uh, and he'll be playing in the NHL. That's just flat out fact. Um, But you know, there's got to be reasons for it, and, and maybe they are financial. I mean, he has had to have been a windfall for the Regina Pats and, to some degree, the Western Hockey League, right? Yeah. I mean, every building this guy plays in is pretty much sold out. I would think. So I, I get it, but. You're, you know, when we try and compare, well, well, then why does it work and why does it happen in the OHL and it's not happening here? I mean, at the end of the day, that's up to Connor Bedard and John Paddock and all associated with the Regina Pats.
2: We're chatting with Darren Drager, TSN Hockey Insider. Uh, in terms of the NHL, though, there, there hasn't been really much move right there has been much movement like we're seeing no. in the CHL i mean what do you think is maybe the hold up here is there a domino that people are still waiting on what's your read on on uh the trade market yeah. right now
0: well you know what it, it, it's improving you know the, the the conversations are more active now than they were prior to the roster freeze and and that's an annual thing you know i mean you know you're at the midpoint of the regular season now uh, other than the bottom third of the NHL standings, you know, we're still trying to figure out. Okay, well, who are the true sellers here, right? You know, I mean, you you look at some of the teams and look at each division, and the battles that are happening, you know, game by game. Here, teams still think that they've got a chance; they're still in it, unless it's pretty evident that they're not in it. So, a little bit more time, I think, is is needed. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see a team jump sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, the Edmonton Oilers lose a tough one. They give up, what, uh, LA scored four power play goals. They went four for seven on the power play last night to, to beat the Oilers. And that market continues to scream for defensive help. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more about this tonight on Insider Trading on SportsCenter. I think uh, LeBron will have an update on, on what the Oilers might be up to. Uh, I'm looking at Ottawa. Ottawa continues to search for that defenseman. So then you look at some of the defensemen who are available. You know, it always seems to start with Jake Tricker and the Arizona Coyotes. Something shifting, changing there. What about Eric Carlson and the San Jose Sharks? What about Matt Dumba in the Minnesota Wild? He's depending on restricted free agents. So I, I think that there's a lot of talk, um, maybe stronger appetite for talk to turn into action, but nothing that we could uh, report as being even close to imminent at this stage.
1: It often feels like at, at deadlines and free agency, there's always one domino that needs to fall before deals really start rolling yeah. and happening. What do you think that domino is this year?
0: Well, look, uh, I have no skin in this game, but I hope it's Jake Chicken. Yeah. Um, you know, Selfishly, we've been talking about Jake Chicken for two years You know, and, and a trade that was supposed to happen and things are heating up around Chicken. We know that he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, We know that he's got a sensational contract. We know that there's tons of interest in Jake Checker, and it's just the asking price remains, um, you know, too, too, too much of a problem, you know, just too large for teams to embrace at this point. You know, if he were to get traded or a defenseman with term were to get traded, I think that that might shift things a little bit because you can look at the unrestricted free agent market, and you see some interesting pieces. John Klingberg is out there. I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, potentially Matt Dumber from Minnesota Wild. Edmondson from the Montreal Canadiens still has a bit of term left on his deal. But maybe one of those pieces, one of those defensemen gets traded, and maybe that market opens up a little bit. So, uh, and not just from a buyer perspective either, right? Maybe from a seller point of view as well. You know, if, if Arizona finally decides that they're going to move Jake Chickern and they don't get two first-round picks, but they get something else, Maybe that changes the ask of of what another team is, uh, is putting out there for the player that they're interested in moving as well
1: okay interesting so you listed off a lot of the big fish and and i think we've all kind of identified who the big fish and and pieces are going to be come trade deadline but i was mentioning to ab that it always seems to be kind of a third line guy or a third pairing defenseman that ends up being the really big difference maker in the stanley cup playoff series have you yeah. identified any of those depth pieces that have become a little bit attractive to teams coming towards a trade deadline
0: not really <laughs> uh... You know, I'd look at Vancouver and, and not that these are, are depth pieces when you look at Brock Besser or Bubble Horvat. I mean, they're right. not. They're, they're top six players. But, you know, those aren't the only two players on the Vancouver Canucks that could be in play here or, or moved. So I, you know, if you're looking for a forward ad, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see the pieces that are actually in play. Uh, um, you know, Montreal, I would say the same. I mean, again, you know, they, they've got a lot of forwards there. Uh, how intriguing could Yoel Armia be? What about Jonathan Drew You know, I mean, he's playing 10 minutes a night. You know, he, he's not generating any offense. You know, as he played his way where to a point where he, there isn't interest in him or there's a team like Colorado who, uh, starting to hit their stride a little bit more as they get healthier now, right? You know, maybe they take a flyer on, on one of those players just because. Of, of what you just said, Julie, the fact that they might be depth-ad. So it's still a little bit early for that kind of stuff, but you know, if I went team-by-team, team, I could probably give you a couple of players from each.
2: I'm curious, Dregs, if you think that this is a year where it, it might be considered a, a buyer's market or a seller's market, I, I'm curious just because... You know, you look at the draft this year, and, and from everything I've heard from, whether it's Craig Button or, or reading Bob yeah. McKenzie's or other, you know, great prospect writers, it seems like this is going to be a really good and deep draft. Like, how appetizing would it be to, to for a lot of these teams to sell off their first-round pick? But if it's a seller's market, I guess yeah. you, there might be a market for that. Like, how do you think that'll shape out?
0: Well, I, you know what? One thing I know, Mike, is that general managers learn lessons and whether they adhere to the lessons learned or not, it depends on on how desperate their situation is, how much pressure they're feeling. So I look at, you know, the Benny Sherratt trade to Mm -hmm. the Florida Panthers, where Florida gave up a first-round draft pick to the Montreal Canadiens that was left unprotected, an unprotected first-round pick. And if Billy Zito had to do it over again, he would protect that pick, I'm sure, because he didn't expect that that team would struggle as mightily as they have. You know, and then you look at, 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 you know, what Toronto gave up for Nick Foligno. It happens every year where where teams give up these picks and don't go as deep as they were hoping or an injury occurs or, you know, the player doesn't quite pan out. I mean, it's hard on those guys, especially when they're traded at the deadline to just go from the team that they've been on, especially if they've been there a long time, to their new team. They're leaving their families behind, and now they're expected to step in the lineup on March 4th and be impactful. Uh, it doesn't happen very often where, especially a rental player, uh, you know, becomes an impact player in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, so I, I think that managers learn from that. But yet every year they seem to do it. I just, I, I think that there's a little bit more apprehension, or at least when I'm talking to general managers, that's what I'm getting. But we're a long way away from March 3rd and the deadline.
2: Well, to shift gears a little bit, Dregs, and you know, kind of, I guess, can go with what we're saying here—an impact ad closer to the deadline. The Oilers, uh, you reported, could be getting Evander Kane pretty soon, possibly returning uh, as early as next week. I mean, how much of a yeah. boost would that give them, um, yeah. who are still, you know, fighting to to hold on to that playoff spot?
0: Oh, I mean, it'll it'll be an enormous boost. Um, you know, you look at the Capitals now getting Backstrom and Tom Wilson back. You know, tell me that that doesn't feel yeah. like two significant transactions for them. You know, the Oilers have played differently since Evander Kane has been on the sidelines. You know, we talked about their need for defense. Well, that, that's that been from the start of the year. And I'm sure that, you know, Holland is, is making his calls. Uh, but, you know, they, they don't play with the same level of confidence or swagger without Evander Kane. And it's because... Evander Kane brings a little bit of everything. You need him to play spicy? He can play spicy. You know, he can skate, so there's no problem putting him beside Connor McDavid, and he can generate offense. You know, every once in a while the wires touch with Evander Kane, but he's been a poster boy uh, for good play for the Edmonton Oilers. They knew it was going to be a challenge not having him in, but they're handcuffed from a cap perspective. There wasn't anything Holland could do to replace Evander Kane. Right. So he is going to be a very, very significant ad. Um, and you're right for looking at I think what is it the 19th is against Tampa Bay and the 21st is against the Vancouver Canucks that's potential dates for Kane to return to the Oilers lineup and that's that's well ahead of of what it was even a week ago talking to those close to Evander Kane a week ago they thought that you know he was probably targeting immediately after the all-star break in early February so He's uh, he's ahead of schedule, and I'm sure McDavid and company are counting the minutes right. to get him back in their lineup.
2: Yeah, 52 points in 57 regular season games in the Oilers uniform. Had 13 goals in 15 games in the playoffs last year for that team. Uh, yeah, that'd be a massive boost for that club. Uh, appreciate it. As always, Dregs, we'll catch up again next week.
0: All right, guys, have a great week.
2: You as well. Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider. Yeah, you know, sometimes you don't have to go out and make those big ads. You get some injuries, guys coming back, and that's like making a big addition at the deadline, right? It's like yeah, their it's going to be huge for the Oilers. Addition. Oh, massive. He's such an important, integral piece to that team. Like, the turnaround that they had made last year when they added – You know Evander Kane, and there was a lot of question marks that came with it, right? Like a lot of the off-ice questions that surrounded and surrounds still Evander Kane, but the on-ice production, no questions. There are no questions that this guy is uber talented, um, and and you know just works with this club. Like almost a point per game in fifty-seven games, and last year in the playoffs, a catalyst, thirteen goals in fifteen games for that club. Yeah, he's important.
1: Really impressive.
2: He's an important piece, uh, piece of the puzzle there. And uh, he'll, he'll be returning for the Oilers. Um, so you have another chance, by the way. We're still giving away those Leafs tickets at the end of the week. And you'll have another chance to qualify for these Leafs tickets with the pro line between the benches seats for Leafs and Islanders on January 23rd. At some point in the next hour, we will open the phone lines. And that'll be your cue to call and earn your chance uh, to win those tickets, or enter the draw to win those tickets. Also, uh, Leasebusters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy buy a piece of cake, avoid penalties, and early termination fees. Visit Leasebusters.com. Alright, uh, still to come on the show today, Todd Crocker to join us. Bobby McMahon's been called up. Looks like he might play tomorrow. Currently on the fourth line in practice. Maybe he can give us an update there. Also, Joe Wall playing out of his mind. Yeah. Maybe he could factor into the Leafs' crease at some point here. He'll join us at 125 to chat about that. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tescheri. You'll listen to Leafs' lunch here on TSN 1050.
0: This is Leafs' lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here.
2: That lives on the internet and congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs who won a championship last night. Uh, Leafs lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards bill for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Yeah, it was uh I mean it was a blowout. I'm not sure if you watched the game. I
1: did far. not watch the game. And yeah, you know what? I I, I usually really throw was. on the national yeah. championship and then I got home from the gym and I saw tweets
2: about I was like 42 to yeah, 9. I
1: didn't even bother. <laughs> I didn't even Actually, bother.
2: It was a 10-7 game at one point in the first quarter and then Georgia scored yeah. 55 on answer. I will <laughs> say I
1: normally do throw it on and last night I was seeing the tweets and I was like
2: Ugh, I'm not throwing I'm that not, on. Not not a great game. Not a great game. I did, though. I, I was at an event last night. It was a little FanDuel event. They invited me, so that was fun. Luke Wilson, my arch nemesis, was there. We got, yeah. uh, we got to throw some chirps around. And uh, I don't know if you saw this photo that. Uh, so, I mean, I posted it, so I guess I can't. That's completely the thing, right? Throw AK under the Bus. But he took the picture and didn't say oh, by the way, you look like a 48-year-old man. You should probably do something else with your face and let's retake the photo. Instead, he's like, yeah, it's good, and then he sent it to me later that night, and I was like, I look like a 52-year-old man.
1: Now I have to pit. put this on the internet, AK.
2: Yeah, you can go check it out. I, 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 I shared it, so that's on me that it's out there. Right. Didn't have to. It could have died on AK's phone. Um, but we, me and Luke Wilson recreated our handshake picture that we took. Which a lot of people looked at and said, That's basically the Connor McDavid photo at the airport with, with
1: it. Did. <laughs> with those that uh, one was reminiscent of it. Yeah. yeah.
2: So we decided to recreate that photo last night when we were uh, together at that event. And it was a lot of fun. It That's was a lot good. of fun. Um so no scraps or anything at the table. There wasn't well a scrap. Said. There was a lot of chicken wings that were consumed. Ballpark. Let me tell you. How many how, dudes, how many wings? Uh okay, so this is what happened. So we walk in, right? And AK texts me at like 6.30. He's like, dude, I'm so hungry. I'm going to demolish chicken wings tonight. Right. And I'm like, okay, same. Uh, So we get there. And immediately, the lady comes to the table. And she's like, okay, what would you guys like to eat? And he's like, is 12 pounds too much? Like, does that seem like a, an abnormal amount? Like, well, how many people are you? There was, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 of us, I guess, like, at our table. Um, and she's like, no, that seems perfectly fine. I was like, okay, I'll take two pounds of this, two pounds of that, two pounds of this. We'll take a pound of that three orders of onion rings, three orders of french fries. I will say, I love that person at the table. And I like
1: being that person at the table, too. I hate you're sitting at a big group and everybody's looking at their hands trying to avoid ordering because the poor waitress is going to have to split up a million I love that one person at the table who just is like, listen, I'll handle it. So shout out to AK for that.
2: Well, it helps when you know that the bill's being taken care of. Oh, that definitely definitely helps. We'll just take the menu, double it, bring it out, put it on the yeah. table. Yeah, that's basically. What I love did an order night. like that. It was nice. It was good. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. Um, so we put out a poll question. Well, not a poll question, a Twitter question, uh, out there on Leafs Lunch and also out there on on Instagram at ten fifty on on IG at Leafs Lunch ten fifty on Twitter, asking the people, the listeners. You know what they think, you know, going forward. So we're through 41 games. The first half of the season is officially in the books. What are we looking forward to in the in the second half? What are the expectations in the second half of the season? So I'm curious, JT, what yours is.
1: So I don't know if you remember, but when we started this season, one of my Leafs bold predictions was that one Austin Taylor with a U Matthews would score 55. Goal, or score. Oh, I just gave away my prediction. Score 70 goals this season. <laughs> he's on pace for 40 right now. And somewhere in my heart, I think he goes on a tear and he gets to at least 55. I know that doesn't seem crazy bold, but just with the pace right now, he's only on pace for 40. Yeah, I mean, so. he's
2: nowhere near that when it comes to, to his on pace. And I look back through 41 games last season, the Maple Leafs had played. He had only played, I think, 38. Cause he missed the first few games. He had 28 goals. So he's eight goals shy of where he was a year ago at this point. So, I mean, that's rather significant. Eight goals. Yep. He could make it up. So 55, could he get there? I I could see it happening. I could see it happening. But you it know might what be tough at this him. point. Like,
1: every once in a while, he just pops off. And it's like, sure, I'll rip off a hat. We haven't yeah. seen it this year, admittedly. No, I, I
2: wonder, but it's not gone. Well, I just, like, how much longer do you expect? Are, 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 do you expect for Matthews and Marner to get back together at some point? Because I don't know if that goal eruption comes until that connection gets back, like until he has that facilitator like Mitch Marner out there? I'm not sure. So I, I, I will say this.: get My prediction. A power play Hill. My prediction to your prediction would be, if <laughs> Marner and Matthews end up reuniting rather soon and they play a lot of games here down the stretch, I think he can get close to this number. But if it's Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, and Marner the rest of the way, or for most of the, the way at least, I don't know if he gets to 55. I think he can hover around 50, but yeah. 55 would seem like a stretch just because what we've seen, like Nylander's a little bit more of a trigger man and more willing to, to take on some of those you know some of those goals from that line, which inevitably would take away from, from Austin Matthews.
1: Yeah, fair enough. What do you think? Do you see them getting together anytime soon? I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to take a little bit of a... 'Cause the easy fix when anything isn't going super well is one if you're selling Keith, right. Keith, you put Alex Kerfoot there. And then option two is you put Matthews and Martyr right. back together yeah, and back. hopefully they figure it out. Make so that flip. You have to believe at some point they go through a little slump and that's the that's the fix.
2: Yeah, I I think you're you're probably right there. But you know, right now I think that second line is is rolling. I think that top line has done some great things in the last three weeks or so. Um and you know you got John Tavares got what three goals his last uh, last two games yeah so, you know when you got JT rolling again you've got those guys up top Nealander and Matthews scoring on a nightly basis one of them at the very least I think there's no reason to make that swap but to your point if things hit a skid at some point the easiest fix is all right well. Let's put those guys back together well, first. And recreate you the Kerfoot there. foot, first her foot,
1: and then and then, <laughs> and
2: then you recreate <laughs> the magic. Uh, the magic there. Uh, all right, maybe we, uh, for me it's it's Timothy Lilligren, I think for my prediction, I guess will be looked upon by the year's end as a top four defenseman, a bona fide top four guy. I think we could pick up on that in a little bit. Uh, we got to We got a break, but Todd Crocker. Who would know a lot about Timothy Lilligren? Called his games with the Marlies. He was there for a couple of years, and I'm curious to see how he feels. Lilligren's development has been over the course of the year, and if he's impressed to what he's kind of become. Yeah. And if if he would be on track with me saying yeah, looks like he could be a top four guy. So he'll join us at uh, at 1:25. We're gonna do some good call, bad call, also on the other side. Uh, so we'll do that coming up next uh, here on Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050.